Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. And help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. Again, I want to take just a moment and welcome you. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We've been in a series called This Is Us. And in this series, we've been discovering um, really the identity we have as a church, uh, but even more important than that, the identity we have as individuals who have been created by God. So we've been learning a lot uh, of different things that are important for us to understand about ourselves in order for us to be able to fulfill the call that God has put on us as a church. And I, and I recognize that over the last couple of weeks, there's probably been some topics that we've covered where you're like, that hasn't really been my experience. That doesn't, that doesn't seem normal to me. That hasn't been what's been normal in my life. And I, I get that. I know that. that. That's why we're striving for these things. And that's why we're talking about these subjects. So today I've subtitled this message, The New Normal, because if we want the type of life that God has in mind for us, and we want to be effective for his kingdom work, and we want the fulfillment that he wants for us, then we need to really take some things that have been normal in our lives and switch them up a little bit. We're looking for a new normal. So in fact, would you turn to the person next to you and tell them, you need a new normal. You do. Now let's try that again, because for all of you that just sat there like this, you need a new normal too. Let's take that up a little bit. Grab that person, give them a little shake, say, you need a new normal. We need a new normal. And today specifically, the new normal that I want to talk to you about is the topic of church attendance. Church attendance. Church, church attendance. What are you, what's this all about? Well, guys, there is something so beautiful and so powerful about the body of Christ coming together on a regular basis. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, but pastor, we're here. Right? I get it. Why are you speaking to a room full of people who are attending church about church attendance, right? It seems a little bit strange, but I want to talk to you about this today because the, the statistics surrounding church attendance are staggering, okay? It's staggering when we look at this both nationally and globally. The, the Barna Research Group shows that half of all Christians... Okay, half of all people that call themselves Christ followers only attend church once every three weeks. So basically once a week, right? Half, half of, only attend church once, a week, once every three weeks. Now listen, if that's you today, you're a once every three weeks person, we are so glad that you're here. No one knows that it's your once every three weeks moment, right? It's like, it's, no one knows that, okay? We are so glad that you're here. But some people, like half, attend church like once every three weeks. Uh, from the other half, like you could average it out and go, there's a group of people that would be like every other week. Some people come to church only when life is bad. Some people come to church only on Christmas and Easter. We call them creasters, right? Like... But let me just tell you, like, I don't want to just dive into this and you, you feel like this is a message of, that's condemning or anything. Because let, let me tell you from the get-go, I get it. 
right? Life is tough. There's a lot of things that come up. Work schedules come up. There's, a, there's difficulties when it comes to family and, and schedules and routines. I know that in Grand Junction, there's so many of you that work in the medical field or the energy industry. And because of that, there are certain weeks that it's just, it's impossible for you to get here. So when I'm talking about church attendance today, I'm not talking about missing church because you can't, okay? I'm talking about a lack of church attendance, a lack of consistency, not because you can't, but because you don't see the value in it quite just yet, okay? Because there is great value in us attending church together. There's great value in it being something that's consistent in our lives. But you might say, well, wait a minute. If, if, if I'm a follower of Christ, can't I just have a relationship with Jesus on my own? Like, can't, can't I, I just be saved and forgiven on my own? And the answer is yes, but, but church attendance isn't just a good suggestion, it is God's will for the family. All right, I wanna say that again. Church attendance isn't just a good suggestion, it's God's will for the family. It's funny because sometimes I will talk about this. I will talk about church attendance and how it's something that God wants us to do regularly. And you gotta understand, this isn't my idea, okay? It's like, cause I'll get emails from people that be like, why are you trying to make people feel like they gotta be at church every week? I, I'm not trying to make you feel like you. This, this is what we see in scriptures, the benefits that God has set the church up for in order for you and I to be able to live the type of fulfilled life that he wants us to live. So church attendance isn't a good suggestion. It's God's will for the family. And after Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, the, the New Testament church began and started growing. Um, this is what we see was written to the church and, and, and communicated to you and I over 2,000 years ago. The book of Hebrews says this. It says, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. Now watch this, okay? This was written over 2,000 thousand years ago with the first church and this is what God is communicating to the church this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together so here's what he's saying 2,000 years ago. This is not the time to come once every three weeks. This is not the time to come once a month. This is not the time to stay at home and watch online. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. Now I love that it says formed the habit because it, it really, not going to church becomes a habit, right? It always starts off with just like, ah, oh, this week I think I'm just gonna go to the lake and then next week I get invited to do something else or like, you know, Johnny after all is going to be a professional soccer player and I know he's only three and he's only ever scored a goal for the other team, but he, he, you know, we, we've gotta make sure that he's there for every game on Sunday. So it's like all of a sudden there's a habit taking place where I was part of something, but we let these other things in life come in and become distractions. It's like now we see the value more in the soccer field or we see the value more in going to the lake than, than we do here. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is warning us about. He said, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. We should come together even more frequently. You catch that? He's saying like, not once every three weeks. He's saying, no, not once a week. 
Like we need to look for reasons to come together even more frequently than that. Like we need to look for reasons to have small groups together and to go ride motorcycles together and ride mountain bikes together and to eat pizza together. And if you're gonna go get a pedicure, then go bring some uh, Christian friends with you and get a pedicure together. It's like, (laughs) the ladies are with me now, right? Like, it's like, this is, you gotta, he's like, this is the time. We should look for reasons to get together more often. We need this eager to encourage and urge each other on word as we anticipate the day dawning. That day dawning is talking about Christ's return. So those of us that are Christ followers, we believe Christ is returning. So what is this passage just saying? It's saying now is not the time, church. Now is not the time to go any, many, miny, mo. I think I might go this week or I might go the next week or I might go the third week from now. No, 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 no. Now is not the time for that. We can't get in a habit of being out of church. Now think about this. If 2000 years ago, this, this was written to the church to say, guys, you're getting out of the habit of something that God has put in place that will be beneficial to you, that this was his idea and we need to follow him if we're Christ followers. So if that was 2000 years ago, think about this. How lazy have we as a church gotten today? Because man, we've got options, right? Options the church didn't have 2,000 years ago. You can just get up. You don't even have to do your makeup. You can just like sit there and drink coffee and watch online, or you can watch on many different stations on your television. Like there's different options now, but, but God knew that the screen would never be a substitute for real relationship in the church body. So saying now's not the time. Don't any, many, many, mo. Don't don't once every three weeks. It don't don't just when you feel like it. Like we need to recognize that we need to come together as a church family. You said, but wait a minute. Can't I just be a Christian on my own? Like, can't I just be saved on my own? Well, here is the truth, and let me just get the elephant out of the room. The truth is this: church attendance is not required, but it should be desired. Church attendance is not required. You can still have a relationship with Jesus. You can still be forgiven. You can still go to heaven without going to church, but it should be desired. There should be some part of you that's like, I need to be around other people who believe in God. I need to be around other people who will worship with me. I need to be around other people who will encourage me. I need to be around other people I can encourage. Like there should be something in you where you desire that because when you first got saved, When you first asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you desired it. You're like, I gotta be there. The doors are open. I wanna go worship my God together. I wanna go serve. I wanna be a part of this. And and when when that honeymoon phase starts to fall away, we can't get to the point where the writer of Hebrews is warning us here of going, don't get in the habit then of just falling out of going to church. No, 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 this is not a... It's not a just whenever we feel like it type of thing, not a just when days are bad type of thing or a holidays type of thing. We need to make church attendance a regular part of our life. So Fellowship Church, this is us. We are, we are a people who we highly, highly desire the ability to come together and worship together on a regular basis. So I'm gonna give you a couple points today. These are the reasons why church attendance should be a regular part of every believer's life. So I wanna encourage you, 
Write these down, put them in your phone, do whatever you gotta do, but make sure you understand these and catch on to them because this is not a message that would just try to encourage you like, make sure you're here next week. You know, I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to do is help every one of us see that the enemy is trying to distract us from what God is trying to do in your life to benefit you and give you a better life. So this is why as believers, we need to be people who make church attendance a very important part of our life. Number one, so that you can give thanks. We attend church on a regular basis. We make it a common practice in our lives so that you can give thanks. I love how God has positioned the church service at the beginning of the week. And I know there are other churches that meet on different times, but I love that we position this on the beginning of the week because what we're doing is we're saying, before I even know what God does this week, I recognize I have reason to thank him that he's done so much for me, I already have reason to thank him. And you, you might have missed this, but you need to hit the pause button sometimes and remember all the different reasons to thank God. You should thank him for the fact that you have your right mind. You should thank him for your health. The fact that your kids aren't on drugs, the fact that your, your marriage is still strong, the fact that you still have a job. We have reason to thank our God, am I right? Am I right? And do you recognize that if God never did another thing for us, he still has already done so much for us. He has reason to be thanked. That is like, like we, if we just hit the pause button and look at the fact that every one of us, we were full of sin and we were so far from him, but he made a way. It's like we have reason to thank him. We see this here. Um, there's a great story in Luke chapter 17. And it says this, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered the village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priest. And then they went and God proactive to their skin. Okay, it says it right there. It says they were cleansed of their leprosy. So it's like they had the leprosy, their skin was all messed up and now bam, smooth, smooth as baby's butt right now. Okay, and then one of them, Oil of Olay we'll call him, when, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. Praise God is AKA, thank you. Thank you, what does this tell us? This shows us here, it puts a principle in place that, that gratitude, thankfulness demands a response. That, that if you're truly thankful for something, there will be a response attached to it. Like you, you don't thank someone by just like crossing your arms and nodding, like. <laughs> Think about it, parents in this room, what if, what if you like saved up your money because your kids are always telling you the thing they want, right? And there's that gift they want and you really, you saved up for it and you, 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 you planned for it, you budgeted, you got it done, you got them that gift, you were ready to give to them, here comes their birthday. It's like, you bring out, here's the gift, that, you, here you go girl, here you go, here it is, here it is. And you look at them, they're just, they're just like, hmm. You'd be like, excuse me? Give me that back, You're taking that right back. I'm just going right back to the store. That money's going my bank account. You, what in the world are you, are you kidding me? It's like, I, I, I'm trying to give you something. You're, you're, not even, you're not even responsive to the fact that I just did something very kind and very grateful that you should be very grateful for. So you're looking all entitled at me. 
Because that's what it is when, when we get an attitude where we're unwilling to communicate thankfulness to God, what we're doing is we're actually communicating entitlement. We're saying that, well, I deserve this, right? It's like you give your kids a gift, well, I, well, I deserve this. I, I mean, I cleaned my room after all. You cleaned your room, excuse me, I let you live in this house. You came and cleaned your room, whatever, but I, I got good grades. You're supposed to get good grades, right? Like, pardon me, I'm just an upset father here for having a moment. <laughs> I need to go to a counselor or something, I don't know. <laughs> supposed to get good grades, right? Like, like there's this entitlement, like, like, no, I deserve this. You should, you should be doing things for me. You should give me more. You should. And when we get to a place in our lives where we're unwilling to communicate thankfulness to God and gratitude to God, we're saying to God, God, yeah, I deserve this. No, you should give me that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. No, what we really deserve church is hell. Let, let's, get, let's get real, every one of us, we're, we're sinners. We're, 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 what, we, what we deserve is separation from God and separation from his holiness, separation from him eternally in hell. But because he is rich in mercy, he said, no, no, I'm gonna send my son and my son is gonna die on the cross and pay the price of your sins and raise again to give you life so that you could have a relationship with me. That's what he gave us. So if he never does another thing again, he deserves our praise. He deserves our thanks. So if your body, if he never heals your body, he's already done enough. If he never fixes your marriage, he's already done so much that he deserves us come to him going, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. And I think sometimes we miss it. The fact that when we come together in a church service, what we're doing is we're coming together as a body saying, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do outside of my norm. I'm going to come and say, thank you, because I wouldn't have made it through this week without you. I wouldn't make it through life without you. I wouldn't make it in my relationships without you. Thank you. Thank you. And this man comes to Jesus and says, thank you to him. This is what it says, verse 16. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And Jesus, this is Jesus' response, okay? Now, how many, how many men did Jesus heal? 10, right? Okay, one man comes back and is thanking Jesus. Jesus, his first response was this. Okay, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the others? <laughs> like, hold on a second, because... Because I counted you when you were here, when all 10 of you were here saying you needed healing. I counted you, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, and I healed you. And you went off to the priest and you showed, so um, you, you got, I, I healed you. And where are the others? Oh, sorry, Jesus. They like, you know, they, they were just a little bit tired today. So they thought they'd just catch you online. Maybe they'll hit you up on Instagram later. I don't know, but. But, I, but I'm here. It's like, man, like, I don't know that, you know, the, their football team was playing right now. So, you know, just, I'm sure they'll see you in about three weeks. You know, like, it's, you know, they'll come back around. Jesus is saying, didn't, didn't, but wait a minute. Didn't, wasn't their marriage falling apart? And yet I touched them and I healed them. Wasn't their finances in so much trouble and I gave them a new job? Wasn't, weren't they walking the floor with anxiety and depression and I touched their mind? Didn't, didn't I heal them? Where are they to thank me? me well well you know she's just her her hair's a little messed up today it's a bad hair day Jesus so I'm like maybe she'll catch it online I don't know maybe maybe she'll come back around later now now we've gotten to the place where we've become entitled well 
after all, don't I deserve this? Don't I deserve him fixing me? Don't I deserve this again? So he, where, where are these other 10? And what's so interesting are these other nine. What's so interesting is we, what we see in the story is this one man that came back that thanked Jesus. He, he like gets a bonus. It, it, we see it here. He says, has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus then said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Okay, so now this man gets a bonus. He gets a pronounced blessing, okay? Think about this for a moment. He says, your faith has healed you. What is he talking about? Because he just externally healed 10 people. So now we're talking about something other than an external healing. We're talking about, that must mean there's something going on in this man. The hurts from his past, his habits, his hangups, the holes in his heart, all the stuff that has gone on on the inside as a result of the pain of him going through leprosy. It's like the other nine, they got their skin healed, but Jesus pronounces over this, man, I'm giving you a bonus. I'm, I'm speaking healing over you as an entire person from, from your spirit, your soul, and your body. You are healed now. And it's like, I want to be the type of person who has the attitude of gratitude where I come in and I'm like, you know what, Jesus, thank you for what you did because he can continue to pour out more on us if we come back with this attitude where we're saying, God, I wouldn't be able to do this on my own. Thank you. So why do the believers need to come together on a regular basis to attend church? Number one, so that we can thank God. Number two, so that we can worship him. So that we can worship God. See, worship is not just singing, though that is a very big part of it. Worship is lifting God to the highest place in your life. Psalms 34 verse nine says, worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. So when we come together as a church, what we're doing is we're getting an op opportunity in order to be able to worship him. We're taking the time to say, you know what, God, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm positioning myself where I recognize and I'm, I'm saying you are the person, the one, the, only, the creator who holds the highest place of authority in my life. Like nothing, nothing else can hold that place of authority, only you. And we can do that through song, we, we can do that through teaching. We can do that through reverence. We do that through obedience. There's many different ways that we can worship God. But what, what we're saying is we're saying, God, I recognize that you hold the highest place of honor and the highest place of authority in my life. Okay, and when you recognize that value in God, see, when, when you recognize that someone holds the highest authority in your life, you treat them differently than you do others. Because we, we, we do for for God, things differently than we do for others. Why? Because he holds the highest place. So if he says, uh, I want you to make a joyful noise, then you're like, well, like, wait, I don't sing. Well, God never asked you to be a good singer. He said, I just want you to make a joyful noise. And that's all it is. I've been around a lot of you. I know it's just the noise, right? Let's <laughs> be, be honest. But, but, but he asked for it. He said, I want you to make a joyful noise. So I don't go around singing to everybody, but since he asked me to sing to him, I'm, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna sing and it, it might squawk and it might sound horrible and I might have to sing quietly so I don't so I, like distract the people around me, but I'm gonna still sing because he asked me. See, we, we treat people differently when they hold the highest place of authority. I said this a couple of weeks ago, if a president were to walk into the room, we would all stand at attention. Why? Because he holds authority. 
If a judge comes into the courthouse, you stand at attention because he holds authority. If you're honoring someone, if a bride comes down the aisle at her wedding, we all stand because we're honoring her. We do things different when you're honoring someone. Like, could you imagine if we just did that for everyone? Like my kids walk in the room and I stand up like, well, oh, hi girls, hi Rachel, hi Kayla. It's like, no, I'm sitting on the couch. Like, like no, it's like, we, we do things differently here. Why? Because they hold the highest, uh, he holds the highest place of authority. So I'm, I'm gonna do what he asked me to do even though it might not necessarily be my thing. It might not necessarily be what I'm comfortable with. And, and I know that sometimes we come into church and we wonder why are these people standing down there with their hands up? Like that guy is standing there, he's got his hands up in the air while you're singing, it must be emotional, right? Well, no, 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 no. No, we see that God speaks to us and he tells us what he expects in worship. He tells us what he wants in worship. And it's not like an emotional thing, like a guy thing or a girl thing or something. He tells us straight up in First Timothy, he says this, he says, he says, therefore I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands, okay? He's, so the Bible says when we're worshiping him, he wants us to hold our hands up to him. Well, I don't do that when like a coworker walks in the room, <laughs> you know, like I don't do that when my wife walks in the room, like I got the wave going on, she wants me to, but I'm like, <laughs> but I don't do that, no, but why do I do that? Well, that ain't my thing. Can I be honest with you? We don't get to tell the King of Kings what our thing is, okay? When he says, I want you to sing to me, well, yes, your majesty, I will sing to you. I want you to worship me. Yes, your majesty, I'll worship you. I want you to lift your hands to me. Yes, I will, I will do that. If you ask me to, I want you to, God, if you want me to sing, then let forever, let praise be on my lips because you deserve it. And you're the king and I'm not. I, when I'm in charge of my life, I destroy my life. When you're in charge of my life, you bless my life. So that's what I want. So we get to a place where we go, I'm, I'm gonna worship him. And you might go, well, I feel uncomfortable putting my hands up like that. I just, I don't even know. Like, like I, and I'm not asking you to go from zero to, to 100 like that. That might be really uncomfortable for you at first. But, but you can start off with like just, the, just raising your hands down here, like the hold the plate move, right? Like, <laughs> no one sees me. I'll stand back a little bit. And then you get a little more like I'm going to throw the Frisbee now. Like, I'm like... It, it's like you do the ventriloquist thing where you're like singing through your teeth, like you're awesome God. Like, it's like, but what are we doing? We're worshiping him because he deserves it. We, we attend together because, because he deserves our thanks. He deserves our worship. And then third, why we need to make church attendance a regular thing, not a once in a while thing, is so that we can be encouraged and equipped so that we can be encouraged and equipped. See, here's why you need to come to church as, as often as possible, as much as you possibly can, is because we need encouragement because all throughout the week, all throughout life, you are going to have different things that will discourage you. And, and the enemy is going to send people to you that will speak negativity and discouragement into your life where they will say, you're not good enough for that. You're trying to act like you're all something special now. It's like, I know who you used to be and like, you're not good enough for that. Like, I know what you did last week. I know what you did on last Sunday night, even after you came home from church, I know what's going on with you. And 
then this discouragement will be spoken into you and you can start to hear it even from the enemy where the enemy will tell you like, you just really blew it tonight. You shouldn't even go to church tomorrow and you'll start hearing these different discouragements. So we need to come together so that we hear encouragement because what we need when we're feeling discouraged is we need to come around other people who will tell you, you know what, I know you messed up but he's good and he's faithful. And yeah, you, you weren't sober yesterday, but you're sober today. And this is a new, it's a new day. See, God's mercies are new every morning. He can give you strength today and a fresh start. And we've got to have that type of help around us and encouragement and equipping around us because otherwise you'll get to points in life where, where you're raising your kids and you'll start to see your kids making mistakes and you'll start to think, well, I failed as a parent. I failed as a mom, I failed as a dad. And you need some people around you going, no, no, you didn't. You're raising them the way God would have you raise them. They take responsibility for their own decisions. You're doing good. You gotta keep your head up, you gotta keep going. And you say, this is why we come together. We need that type of encouragement. And again, I hear people like, I don't know about that. It's like, well, don't get, don't get mad at me like this is some, uh, like, I, I don't know if I trust organized religion. Well, that, this was, wasn't my idea, okay? This, this was God's plan for his people, right? We see here Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 says this about the church. So Christ himself, this is what Jesus does for the body. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the people, all right, to equip the church for the works of service so that the body of Christ, again, the church, might be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So God is saying, listen, you're, you're no good on your own. You need other people around you. So what I've done is I've created the church body and I've, I've given to it apostles and, and teachers and evangelists and pastors and preachers. I, I've, I put all these things in place in order to encourage you so that it can help you through the dark times. It can help you through the valleys and you need that. You need it on a regular basis because there's gonna be trouble that comes. And you don't know when that trouble's coming, so you need to make sure that you regularly are around, that you regularly have that encouragement and that equipping going on in your life. And, and when you go, yeah, I don't know, I just, I don't think I need that. What we're really saying is, is Jesus, I don't think I need what you say I need. It's like, you say I need help, you say I need community, nah, I think I'm good on my own. I don't know about you, but I need some help. I need some encouragement. I need some equipping. I need other people who will be around me who will help me lift my head up when I go through dark times and when I go through valleys. So we, we, we come and we attend together so that we can thank our God, so that we can worship our God, so that we can be encouraged and equipped. And then number four, we attend regularly so, we, so that we can set a godly example to those around us. We need to set a godly example to those around us. See, really now I'm talking more about participation than just attendance. This is not just slipping into the back of a service and, and, and coming in late and treating the worship like it was like the previews before a movie and then slipping out as soon as it's over. But no, this is participation saying, you know what, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna worship, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna tithe. I, I'm gonna be a part of a small group. I'm gonna help serve 
in different areas, when we reach out into our community and help, I'm gonna participate in the fabric of what Jesus is doing through Fellowship Church because you might not recognize how many people are watching you to see if what's going on in your life is real. And parents, you might not recognize how much your kids are actually watching you. And, and dads, if, you, if we're just coming into the back of a service and we got our arms crossed during worship and we're just sitting there kind of like this and our kids are looking at us, what are we telling them? We're telling them this is boring. It's not important. I don't know why mom brings me here anyways, right? So we're, 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 saying, we're saying it's not really important. Maybe you're a young adult and, and your family doesn't follow Christ. And you're, maybe your parents are watching you and they're saying, is this real? Is this something that they're just going and spectating? Or, or is God actually doing something in their life? Are they really changing? And when we start participating in this, it, it, it really helps other people start to recognize what is going on in our own lives. We can be a godly example. So when, when it turns around and then instead of just being in the back with our arms crossed, we become people who are like, hey kids, get up, we gotta go. We gotta get to church, we're gonna go serve in kids' church and then we're gonna be in the service together and we're gonna worship our God together and we're gonna talk about his love and his faithfulness and how great he is. What are we telling our kids now? We're saying this is important. What Jesus set up for his believers is important. And I want to live the very best life I can possibly live. And the only way I can do that is by living my life the way my creator created me to live it. So I'm going to be there and I'm gonna do that. And it'll teach our kids how they can have the type of life where they can be blessed as well. Not going any, many, miny, mo. Should we go to church today? It's raining. Should we go? It's the last week of summer. So, no, he, he set this up to equip us, to help us, to encourage us. Number five, so that we can be in an atmosphere of faith. Man, we need to be in an atmosphere of faith. I need to be in an atmosphere of faith because you probably felt it. Sometimes you're coming to church and you're not even... You're not even really focused on the fact that you're coming to church, but then you walk in the room and there's people that are worshiping God and just pouring their hearts out to God. And you can feel the difference. You can feel the tangible presence of God in the room where, where chains are being broken off of people and stuff is happening and addictions are falling off of people. People are getting helped. And it's like, you didn't even realize you needed encouragement. Now you came in the room and you feel God's presence. You're like, wow, I feel encouraged. I feel like I can keep going. I feel like I can go back to my workplace tomorrow that I I wanted to quit, but I, can, I got the strength to go do it again. We need that type of encouragement and, and we, we've got to be in that type of atmosphere. Jesus promises, because you might say, well, can I just spend time with God on my own? Yes, you absolutely can. But he gives us a special promise. Matthew 18, 20, where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there with them. So when we meet like this, the Holy Spirit is in the room with us. Jesus is promising us we're not alone in this room right now. And, and there's some of you that came in expecting to experience his presence, expecting to feel him, expecting to hear from him. And then others, you're just waking up to it now going, wait a minute, you're saying he's actually in this room with me now? Like then if he's giving out wisdom, I want wisdom. If he's giving out healing, I want healing. If he's helping marriages, I want that. So I wanna be in an atmosphere of faith. And sometimes when we come into that atmosphere and, and, and we're worshiping our God, it doesn't just affect us for a positive way, it affects the people around us. One of my favorite New Testament Bible stories happens in Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas, two believers, were imprisoned. 
They were shackled, they were chained, they were in, in a prison cell together. And the Bible said they started worshiping God about midnight. In the darkest part of the night, they were worshiping God and, and, and God heard their worship. He heard their prayers and he came down. And when he broke the chains off of Paul and Silas, the Bible says he broke the chains off of every prisoner in the prison and broke every door open. So sometimes you're worshiping and there's people that like you don't even know that are on the same row with you. It's like all of a sudden the chains of addiction are breaking off of them because they're in the atmosphere of faith. And now all of a sudden, marriages are getting healed in this room so I, just because they came in the atmosphere of faith. So I need to be in an atmosphere of faith because there's times when my faith is going to struggle. There's times when, when I'll feel doubt. There's times when I'll feel tired. There's times when I'll be nonchalant when it comes to my relationship with God. But if I, if I just get to the place where there's an atmosphere of faith, who knows what God could do for me? Who knows how he'll move? So church attendance is not just a good idea. It's his plan for the family, and that brings us to number six. Why should we ch attend church regularly? So that we can build a family. And I'm not talking about your natural family. I'm talking about your church family. We all need other believers in our lives. We all need other people who, who, who will be there for us and encourage us. You, you need someone, if, if you ever get diagnosed with cancer, you need someone who will shave their head with you. If you ever go through a divorce, you need people who will sit there with you. If you ever go through anything difficult in life, you need people who will be there with you. The Bible says in Acts chapter two, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing and meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. What were they saying? They were saying, I want to be a family. I want to be a family. Now, let me tell you this. To be a family, to have that type of close connection with other believers, that takes investment. Don't wait until you need it. Don't wait until you go through a tragedy and then all of a sudden you want other people to be around you supporting you. No. It, it, the, you need to build these relationships now. And that takes place through continually, consistently serving together, being in small groups together, worshiping together, uh, do, living life together, looking for excuses to spend time and get pedicures and eat pizza together because, because we need that. And what's one of the coolest things I've ever seen is when uh, I've been called up to the hospital because one of our church members is in the hospital or is in hospice and I get there ready to go minister to someone and I can't even get in the door because their whole small group is surrounding them. Their whole ministry team surrounding them and, and they're loving on them and they're like, hey, pastor, I see you back there. You're like, we got this, we're good. You, you have a good day. And it was like, I love that because why? They, they built a family. And guys, that's what the church is supposed to be. That we're a body together. That we're encouraging one another, we're, we're, we're celebrating together, we're hurting together, and, and we need those types of relationships, and we've got to build them now before we need them. And that brings us to the last point, is lastly, we attend church regularly so that we can learn our part. That you can learn your part as an individual. Listen to me, I'm not talking about the person sitting next to you, I'm talking to you. As an individual, you have a part. 
See, as a follower of Christ, you already have a place at the table. If you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you already have a home forever in heaven. You already have a place in the family. But where people get messed up and where people get discouraged is when they never learn their part. What's my part? How am I supposed to help? How am I supposed to serve? What, where do I fit here so I can be effective in the, the, the ministry work of God? And, and see, that's why so many people will jump from one church to another, to another, to another, and they'll say, well, that church is just clicky. Well, it's not that they don't have a place, it's that they, don't have, they haven't figured out their part yet. So your job is to not come in and just spectate in the back of a church. Your job is not to just come in once every three weeks. Your job is to start serving. And, and, and that's why we spent all last week talking about and highlighting different areas where you can serve is because once you learn your part, you start to recognize, wait a minute, I am bigger. I'm, I'm part of something that is so much bigger than me. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care is given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members. What makes har harmony among the members? Well, us each having a part, a role that we play, not spectating, watching each other do the work. We do the work together so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffers with it. If one part is honored, then all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is part of it. Let me say it this way. You are so vital. You are so incredibly vital in the body of Christ. You are vital to Fellowship Church. And listen, Fellowship Church can't be what Fellowship Church was meant to be without you without you learning your part. And you say, well, I've tried to serve, we'll try again. Uh, I tried it here in the kids ministry and kids drive me nuts. Stay away from the kids then and go somewhere else. It, it, it work on security. Like, like there's, there's so many different ways, but you have a part, you were created for a part. Would you stand to your feet with me? Let me tell you something. The Bible makes it clear that the church body was meant to benefit you. Church attendance was meant to benefit you, to make your life better, to make you a better father, to make you a better uh, coworker or boss or friend, to make you better in every area of your life, to bring you out of the dark places. The church body is there to benefit you. So if that's the case, wouldn't it make sense that the one thing that the enemy will constantly try to distract you from is getting you to church? So now this week, oh, you could pick up some overtime. And next week, well, my friends are gonna go to the lake. And then the week after that, of course, we got our kids pro soccer team tournament at three years old. It's like, can I just tell you, you don't need to, you don't need to teach your kids to become professional athletes. If they're going to be professional athletes, they're going to just be professional athletes. What we need to do as parents is teach our kids to be children of God because we're gonna find themselves in a valley in life someday and a storm is coming someday when no game and no ball and no talent is gonna get them through it. They need to know how to hold on to the hand of their heavenly father and they need to know how to hold on to Jesus. And that doesn't come from just being eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I might make it today, I might not go. Instead, it comes from going, what I'm gonna do is teach my kids no matter what, we are gonna take what Jesus says is for his people and we're going to put that first place and we are going to be part of the body no matter what.
So church family, this is us. At Fellowship Church, we highly value the meeting together on a regular basis. So maybe it hasn't been your norm. Maybe it's been once every three weeks. Maybe it's been once a month. Maybe it's, whatever that is, it's time for a new normal. Because God has more for you than what you're experiencing right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all my brothers and sisters in this room. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that God, you decided to create a church in order to be able to benefit us, to strengthen us, to grow us, to challenge us, to help us, to encourage us. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. We thank you that you care for us so much that you did that. So next time the enemy comes and tries to throw distractions at us to try to pull us out, I pray that you would help us to see that. Uncover our eyes and see, look, oh, this is a distraction that would pull us away from what we really need in life. I thank you for each and every person here. I pray that there would be no condemnation in this room, that no person would feel guilty like, like, like they've blown it in the past, but instead your grace is so great. You've uncovered our eyes so that we can see the benefit that this is not a place to just endure. This is a place to enjoy, that we would desire coming together. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you for every person in this room. It's your precious son, Jesus name that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give him a shout of praise today. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you're Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.